Welcome to the Brand Community Podcast. Brand communities are the foundation of business growth. They build a human connection between brands and their customers, turn those customers into lifelong advocates, and ultimately grow your business. I'm Sam Heisel, a co-founder and managing partner at Knox, a digital agency that helps brands, artists, and entrepreneurs grow and convert communities online. And I'm Chris Whitman, co-founder of Crony, a creative agency that connects brands and consumers through powerful brand experiences. Every Tuesday, we'll be interviewing marketing leaders and community builders so you can walk away with actionable strategies to help your brand grow and prosper. Welcome to the show. Chris, what's happening, man? How are you feeling today? <laughs> I'm feeling great today, Sam. How are you doing? Uh, we're, we're rolling big through these today, outtakes. Right? Very big news. We got episode one uh, with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Andy Cranach. Andy is an incredibly talented community builder. He's the executive vice president for Team Gary V and Gary V. If you're not familiar, Gary Vaynerchuk is the founder, chairman, CEO of uh, VaynerMedia and VaynerX. Um VaynerMedia itself is a very large ad agency and marketing agency. VaynerX essentially represents a portfolio of different companies from owned media and digital media properties like 137PM and PureWow to a sports agency, talent agency, the, the list goes on. I think what's fascinating is that Gary Vee's personal brand, A, over the course of the past five, 10 years has undergone massive growth and his own personal brand has largely become the marketing engine for uh, the agency. And beyond that, his personal brand, he's, it, it's He's always used it as a petri dish towards identifying different tactics and different ways that different brands can actually be super proactive in growing communities online. And Andy has always been kind of, to some extent, a bit of a the, the wizard of Oz, helping run Gary's personal brand team, which uh, kind of wavers, but has literally been around 20, 30 person plus team itself. Um, so I think Andy has incredible experience when it comes to creative ways to listen to your audience online and use that to inform your strategy, how to come up with content ideas that will actually translate into to building community amongst your brand's target audience, um, different tactics, different principles. I think it was, it was really cool to get him see, to, to see him as a master at work, having worked at Vayner Talent, where we was kind of replicating what Andy and, and Team Gary Vee were doing for Gary's personal brand and applying it to, to other talent, other entrepreneurs. So, uh, really excited about this episode. What stood out to you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, uh, you know, you brought up your uh, past experience working at Vayner. Um, you know, these guys hustle. Uh, my agency has worked with Vayner Media. I've done a lot of stuff with uh, Gary directly with a lot of the brand building exercises that that uh, they've been doing in different divisions and. Um, it's just like hustle, hustle, hustle. It's super impressive to see these guys going. They're always testing things out. They're always pushing out content. Um, you know, there's uh, there's no challenge too great. So it's going to be really exciting for a lot of people who are less familiar with Gary and his uh, tactics to, you know, hear what Andy has to say. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to dive in. Well, let's get to it. Without any further ado, Mr. Andy Cranach. Andy Cranach, what's happening, man? Sam, how we doing? Yeah, we are good. Glad to have you on the uh, on the, the brand community podcast. It's a beautiful day for us and our listeners. Um, I, I think uh, I personally have learned a lot and in getting to collaborate with you and and learn from you at, while my time at Vayner and even uh, here and there. You've always been super helpful and super knowledgeable, and I, I think a lot of the results you've been able to spearhead have been uh, very. I mean world-class fan. And I, I don't say that as an exaggeration. So very excited to, to dive into some of the um, takeaways here. But I, I do want to start by setting the stage. I think obviously there, there are some people, most people here are very familiar with Gary um, and Gary V. But from the Gary V kind of 
per, uh, when it comes to growing a community and growing community around Gary, what is like the, how do you describe like the target community you're trying to grow? Who is the target audience mm-hmm. and what are some of the specific goals that you have as a, as a part of kind of operating his personal brand team? So for, I think everyone generally starts with like a target audience that they want to speak to. But I think what Gary does best and what I would encourage a lot of people to do is not to be so confined with who you're trying to speak to, but react to who's resonating with what you're putting out. So if Gary puts out a piece of content and then he sees that young Asian Americans are really resonating with their mess- his message about parenting, he immediately starts going, hey, I need to put out more content for this audience. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a, I think you need to start with like how are you going to start with what sort of messages and content you want to put out into the world, whether that's what you feel confident about speaking to, or whether it's because you want, you have a defined audience, but I think it starts with just putting that out and then reacting to what audiences are really resonating with what you're, you're putting down. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And then when it comes to like the team Gary V, what, what is, is like the actual structure? Uh, like, how have you gone about, I mean, I know that the team has grown and evolved throughout the years, but just from like a, a staffing standpoint, and then, I mean, what are the key roles that the outcomes that you're after? How do you break down that? Yeah. So we're taking on a bunch of other ancillary projects for fun that Gary wants to throw our way and scratch our own entrepreneurial itch, but day to day for Gary's content and operations, it's really just... <laughs> I mean, ideas and making and strategy. So we have a a role called a channel manager who is responsible for overseeing a specific channel. That would be a platform. So Jake Levy, shout out Jake. He's our YouTube channel manager. He's responsible for knowing the ins and outs of YouTube's backend, their analytics, how we think about optimizing YouTube videos, how we think about our titles, how we think about our thumbnails. And then he's working with a creative creator counterpart to instill those learnings and they have a real good dynamic so that there's a creator um, building those videos for specific to YouTube based on what Jake's seeing and they build a partnership. And then that's sort of the dynamics for every platform. So for Instagram, there's a lot more volume and that's the number one platform for us. So we have four creators and two channel managers just trying to deliver on a volume of posts, four or five a day. Um, And then Above that, there's like a head of content who's Jim Thompson. And then above that would be me who's just trying to make sure that we're keeping Gary happy and seeing uh, what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And Jim, and I mean, he came on to focus a lot on the analytics side, right? Yeah. So when you're looking at analytics, I mean, what are the things that you're really trying to pay attention to when it comes to trying to uh, inform your strategy and learn based on the, the data you're able to read across these platforms? Yeah. So Gary's really funny with this because he doesn't really... He just values the, like, I'm trying not to say anything that he would just always say. Like, he always values the process. And, like, if I ask him, like, what is his goal with his Instagram account? He's just, like, continue to grow awareness. So, like, there's macro things that we can look at. uh, Follower growth, um, impressions, trends that we're seeing comparatively on Gary's Instagram account versus other accounts. Um, But what most excites me is actually more micro analytics on specific posts that could create stronger learnings for what you should be doing next. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I got a question. So like, you know, you guys have been at it for years. Um, what would you say have been like some of the bigger lessons that you've learned? Like how have you, how have things changed? How have you adapted aside from just kind of, you know, the, the changing nature of the social platforms? Um, 
are there any big takeaways that, um, you know, brand could, t- you know, like some insights and some, they could glean in terms of, you know, how to be able to pivot, for example, really quickly. Yeah, I've, I've learned a lot. And like, if I confine it to like a brand and how they could pivot, I would say like the biggest lesson is exactly that. Honestly, I think too many brands are caught into that. It needs to be a certain thing because they were bought into that plan versus changing in a second's notice because nobody actually really cares. A good example of this in, in my world would be Gary. Uh, we had an idea for Ask Gary V. He was, he has guests on Ask. Ask Gary V was an individual, sh- individual show with just Gary. Then he started bringing on guests. So over the last like three years, it was really guest centric where there wouldn't be an Ask Gary V without guests. A lot of the feedback and sentiment on those <laughs> podcasts and episodes were like, Gary, you're interrupting your guests too much. Because it's really, and that's his best one. He's not a he's not a great interviewer. He's more he's a great solo man show. Ask him a question, he's going to give you a fire answer. Have Ray Dalio on, it's going to be a different sort of dynamic. So we brought this to him. We did this whole brainstorming session. We spent all this time coming up with this new show called Interrupted by Gary V. We came <laughs> up with different like a brand template, all these things. Like we put real work behind launching this new show, Interrupted by Gary V. We did one episode and Gary said he didn't like it anymore and we stopped doing it. And I think like no, very few people would be as not romantic about their idea and their process as Gary to like immediately after doing one, just saying, no, that's not right. You know, and I think in there, that's like, that's really the day to day of like why I love my job, but also why it's really difficult. I love it because that we're so much change and so much speed and inherently so much opportunity to discover something new, but it's also really difficult when you've worked really hard on like launching this new show and you believe in it and then it's killed in a second and you just have to move on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sounds like a roller coaster, uh, startup life. Um, in that same vein too, like when it comes to the, the, the overarching principles, I mean like that in and of itself is like an overarching principle, like not being too romantic, willing to test things and then pivot quickly. Um, what have been some of the other most impactful elements or principles of the, the team and of the strategy you've deployed that have led to such a massive and engaged community? I mean, it does, it really comes down to listening, you know, reacting to the audiences and the platforms. Um, I would say like two things. One is when you find, find something that's working and right, you need to squeeze the fuck out of it squeeze every juice of that orange that's working in that moment, because soon enough, it's not going to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. Gary talks a lot about it, but like Facebook ads three years ago, literally I knew Facebook ads at such a high level compared to the market. I think I lost an opportunity there. You know, I think like IG reels right now, it's still testing the waters and all that, but there is going to be a moment in the next three months with whoever, whatever brand can really hack a format that's working on IG reels will exponentially grow their brand. So squeezing it once you have it. And then as I think the biggest learning that I'm going through over the last year and a half is uh, just the power and meritocracy of ideas. You know, Gary talks a lot about putting out all this content and reacting. And I think inherently there is, there's actually a lot of shitty ideas and shitty creative. And there is, to 
every creative can do it technically, like they can make the, the video or the image, but how strong is the idea behind that creative? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And how have you built a culture or how have you gone about refining? Cause I think there's tons of merit there. And I think like, I mean, to some extent, like you can't force creativity, but you can create an environment where like creativity is most likely to occur. So like, how have you gone about building and intentionally nurturing that environment that's led to like, yeah, it's really tough, man. And like macro again, this like, I think everyone always thinks people have it figured out, especially like Gary V like he must know the answers to the algorithm and everything. But the truth is like, if you came in and like hung out with us, you would realize that like we're in perpetual motion of figuring it out. And the mm-hmm. dichotomies of a team and stuff in that environment can change dramatically by adding one person or removing one person. Um, mm-hmm. So I think w- just try to instill, like this week, Gary's off the grid. He's on vacation. Immediately, like the managers of my team, like, all right, Andy, what's the plan? What are we going to start making? And I just paused because I was looking at what we were making, all this stuff. I was like, actually, we just need to come up with ideas. I think it'd be a lot more beneficial for everyone to just have two days to think about if they can make anything for their said platform what would they make? Um, so I think it's just trying to, yeah, it's, it's everyone, everyone has different opportunities. It's trying to create serendipity for creativity too. You know, creative is like you have receptors that one plus one can equal five. If you're, if you're bouncing ideas and having good brainstorms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess like my experience with, with Gary V is that it just seems like he's everywhere you know, at all times, you know, and just traveling all over the place and being able to create, you know, Sam has referred to as this pillar content um, that's been able to, you know, create all this micro snackable content to help build the community. How has, uh, you know, the effects of the global pandemic affected how you guys approached um, certain aspects of your strategy from a content perspective? That's a great question. I mean, like it started with Gary, like the pandemic hit, lockdown hit. Okay. No daily V, no filming. And then one day he's just like, Hey, I'm going to start the show T with Gary V, which then became our pillar content. Um, it's been good. It's cool to see. He's definitely impacting people's lives. You know, he's had people break down Mm -hmm. in tears talking about, uh, certain anxieties that they're overcoming and all that. But the footage just isn't, it's different. (laughs) You know, it's live streaming on zoom. Um, so we still have a pillar piece of content that we're pulling from, but uh, we're trying to dive more into Gary's historical content. So thankfully we've been filming him for eight years now and we actually have a search <laughs> right. engine. Um, so a good example wow. is Twitter did, Twitter came out with uh, Twitter audio. So you can actually do voice memos on Twitter. This was a product update that I think happened maybe like a month and a half ago. Gary was asking Twitter to do this five years ago. He loves it because it saves him time, but also it adds a layer of authenticity so that instead of Gary responding to your tweet saying like, thanks, thanks for the comment, Danny, he says it on his voice, which has a a harder, like a bigger impact emotionally if you're a fan. Anyways, Twitter audio comes out as a product. He texts the team. I talked about this before. Find it. I go to his search engine. I type in Twitter audio. Bang. There's five different moments Gary said this. Now we have a really cool, interesting piece of creative because we'll take Gary talking about it today for two seconds, flashback to when he was talking about it four years ago and he looks very smart, historically correct, and a strong Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sick. That's cool. It's amazing. When it comes to um, 
like on the distribution side, or well, let's dive in there too. Cause I, I mean, the, the, just you, you mentioned it spoke to a really valuable point of just him replying to people and being intentional about nurturing that connection with the audience. I think when building a community, it's like, it's so easy to default to just treating it like a megaphone and pushing content out rather than a, not only nurturing the connection with those individuals, replying to them and ensuring they're engaged and, and building that connection, but then also creating a community amongst fans. So uh, how do you think about that when it comes to building a thriving community, like to the true definition yeah. of the word, rather than just leaning into the megaphone? It's, a, it's something I've been thinking a lot about this week, actually talking to some bigger Fortune 100 brands and things of that nature. Online platforms in a community is a living, breathing thing. And when you don't have someone dedicated to that living, breathing thing and like looking and analyzing at the signals, you're not going to have a community. You're just going to have a place where you push out things in a megaphone versus a two-way street of like, Hey, I put this out. what do you guys think about it? Okay. Now I'm putting this out for you guys again. You know, it's community centered around value. So how do you, how is a brand or a personal brand or an oven or whatever the case may be, what are you providing that creates a community in the first place? And it could just be like a, a crazy, amazing product that inherently people want to build a community around. But I think it's like a, a combination of a two-way street creating that and then having someone who's really in the center of it and that's their main role. Mm -hmm. There's so much opportunity to get feedback from your communities. Like if you think about Instagram stories, right? You can ask 15 different questions that would lead to insights that would create better content. Like what should I title this video? Or are you afraid of other people's opinions? Do a poll, 88% mm -hmm. say yes that title of 88% of my community is afraid of other people's opinions would be a really good title. <laughs> right. Right, 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 right. Because it's catchy and it's already, but two, it's also true. And it's true to the people that you're trying to speak to in the first place. Yeah. A thousand percent. I actually got a question. And so, um, you know, you, you brought this up with like the voice memos and things like that and authenticity and making sure that you're communicating back and forth with the living and breathing you know, organism that is like the community, right? Especially across social channels. Um, we talk to a lot of startups that are, you know, like emerging CPG brands, for example. And uh, a lot of them have understood that community is very important. Um, so they, they have dedicated community managers. But I guess like, as you grow as a brand, inevitably, it's going to be really hard to scale that, you know, that authentic one-to-one -one conversation or, you know, back and forth that uh, you can, you can create. So are there, um, you know, any good insights or tools even that you guys have used on your end that, can, you know, allow you to be able to like, you know, scale from a, from a conversational perspective? Short answer is no. You know, I think, uh, though, <laughs> This is not really answering your question, but I think Twitter search is super underutilized. You know, I think Twitter search as an insights tool or like for Gary specific, right? He's, he's getting tons of comments everywhere all the time. If I wanted to prioritize a certain subset of people, I'd be like, damn, we really need to attack Gary's podcast and build that community of podcast listeners. Cause some people don't listen to his podcast at all. They just consume them on Instagram, but we're focused on podcast. I could go to Twitter search type in two semicolon at Gary V and podcast. Bang. I have everyone who's tweeted or talked about Gary's podcast ever since Twitter was born. And I could one by one serendipitously tweet them. Yo, 
Thank you so much for talking to Gary's podcast. It would mean a lot to me if you subscribed. Um, I honestly don't really like tools. I, I think there, are, there, there might be some good ones um, that help moderate social comments that I think bring in all the comments from different platforms and you can sort of see them. I think there could be some good ones. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I'd say I don't like tools. I don't like intermediaries between the apps. Facebook and Instagram are so robust now that I don't like the idea of like using a Hootsuite or something of that nature because it creates friction and I think it eliminates learnings. So I really want my community manager spending their time on Instagram because I think they might identify or see a white space for something cool. As an example, shout out our good friend, Elliot Dunk. I think a version of that is like, they wouldn't realize that you could comment a blank space on Instagram if you were using a third-party tool. By blank space, I mean like you can, there's an invisible character that you can copy and paste and then paste that as a comment. And then you would see a comment that's literally just blank. Dunk started doing this on a bunch of trending posts and everyone freaked out. They're like, what the fuck is this comment? Where's the comment? It's just like the handle. Um, but I think that's a good example. And it's, it led to uh, a lot of engagement, but I think that learning only happens if you're using the apps. Right, right, right. For and sure. also, that's a good, that's actually a good distribution tool, you know, like getting your name and logo in front of other people by commenting and trying to build in other communities. Mm-hmm. Totally. So in, in that same vein, I mean, you started to mention that as like a distribution hack. Like, I'm curious, obviously, we want to get like super dialed in and experiment with content, pay attention to, to user insight and interaction and engagement. But um, beyond that, like if you're looking to uh, like really hack distribution and uh, there's I know creating good content is at the foundation and that's no easy task. But for a second, let's like take that out of the equation. What are tactics to go about ensuring that you're able to get distribution? I, I know Gary's gotten to a point where like, if that content's hidden different, he's going to get a lot of organic distribution from the algorithm. A smaller profile might not be able, doesn't have that luxury. So in those instances, what are tactics you would recommend to ensure you're able to get in front of your target audience so that way they can become your community? Yeah, like one, like the grind way, no money is literally like what Gary calls the dollar eighty strategy, which is literally just inserting yourself into other communities and hustling your fucking face off and trying to provide value and make a name for yourself. So like if I'm a DJ that's going into every DJ hashtag there is in the world and spending 18 hours a day just trying to fucking comment and then do it every fucking day, every fucking day, every fucking day. And if you know your shit and you know what you're talking about, people will fucking stick around. You know, but like, again, like your comments are sort of your content. <laughs> so you need to be able to bring value and people will be like, oh, I wonder who this is. And they double click in. If I had a little bit of money, I wouldn't give it to Facebook or Instagram. I would give it to Facebook or Instagram pages because you're going to reach more people. And I would have an at bat or a hot take on what I would want them to post. Um, those are still two, like I would say the biggest tried and true with like little or no money that you could still get a lot more distribution. Mm-hmm. Totally. And when you're thinking about brands and brand content, like you, I know you, you like team Gary V often, like you mentioned, will you get thrown different projects. Like when you're coming up with cool content for brands, like what, how do you go about coming up with like with quote unquote cool content? So say it's like a, I mean, you guys did work a case Swiss yeah. campaign. So how are you approaching content there? Okay. How does, how do you apply this? Just, we just did it. 
we're doing it this week. And I, I told my team that I want our sawdust to be like a reevaluation of how we try to come up with this cool content for the brand nice. so that we can really lean into like that creative process. Got but, you at the right time, bro. Yeah, really. I mean, we try to define cohorts, four or five people that we're trying to talk to young dudes in Brooklyn, build out that profile. What do they look like? How do they talk? How do they, where are they spending their time online? And then four or five messages, value, time, uh, whatever you, whatever the brand ethos are. Um, and then just riff and brainstorm and let two ideas merge into one. Um, and then I also think it's also a lot about the templates, right? So you could have, we come up with a cool idea about a pod, a podcasting mic that it's like a dude in Brooklyn and it's cheap and really valuable, but the format of that being a meme or a top title at the bottom or a split screen all really impact the performance of that creative. Cohorts message, get a bunch of people in the room throw ideas on the wall, stick to the ones that you really like and see what happens. Love a, love a good whiteboard set. I'll say that. <laughs> um, cool. So I think we're, we, we're getting to the end of the episode. Um, and we always, we always sign off with a question that, um, you know, we ask everybody, but essentially if you were to start a new company from scratch, uh, you know, let's call it a D to C brand. Uh, first and foremost, what would that product be? Uh, or you can pick a category as well. Uh, not a big deal. And then how would you uh, build that community? What would, you, what would your approach be from, from the start? Hmm. I'm starting a DTC brand. What would it be and how would I start that community? Mm. I'm going to go with, uh, I'll say bicycle socks. There we go. And I would, uh, the riches are in the niche, the, the niches. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a niche, right? It's narrow, yeah. which yeah, excites yeah. me. And the first thing that I would do is, uh, start an Instagram account and start a TikTok account. Um, and I would try and publish three to four times a day on TikTok. I would comment on any bike video I found on TikTok, and I would do a similar version on Instagram. I would try to post three to four times a day on Instagram and I would study every single hashtag there is around bicycling. Maybe there are, I'm, sh I'm sure there is a hashtag called bicycling socks, which I would really fucking spend all my time on. I would understand what those people care about and try to reverse engineer insights out of that for more content. But really I would just spend all my time literally commenting and trying to bring awareness to my profile so that I could have a base of 200 followers so that if, and when I came up with a really cool meme around bicycle socks, that maybe it hit three X what it should hit. And then I would have even a bigger base and just continue the loop. Boom. Well, there you have it. I'll be some of the, the first to be rocking those bike socks, man. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you so much, man. It's been amazing to see you continue to grow and, and create impact and, and test and, and try all sorts of random fun stuff, man. So keep up the fantastic work. And we really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. I appreciate you guys, man. This was, this was fun. Indeed. Well, catch you in a, a brand community near you. <laughs> if you. If you see a DM with bike socks, you know this <laughs> 
Yeah, well, what a way to start off the Brand Community Podcast. Such an esteemed guest. Um, and, and although I may have a sound of some sarcasm in my tone, it's the, it's the truth, man. I think this dude is constantly experimenting, constantly at the forefront of different tactics that um, that Gary's using with his own personal brand, that Team Gary V is using across some of the different pilot, uh, some of the other like brands and kind of like special products that they're working on. And I'm really grateful he was able to really kind of distill that down to some of the core principles, core tactics um, that have really enabled such kind of truly rapid growth within Gary's personal brand. Well, so out to you, Chris. Yeah, I think it's the, uh, you know, try everything. If something isn't working, shut it down approach. Uh, you know, you got to stay nimble. Um, always be just, you know, leaning into your audience authentically. Uh, there's a lot of great takeaways. Um, Gary's done an awesome job basically applying this model to a variety of different industries and categories. And, um, you know, I think there's something for everybody to take away from this. So really just, you know, love kicking things off with, uh, with Andy today and super excited for, you know, all of our future uh, guests and, and episodes. Indeed. 1000%. Well, uh, thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back next week.